Coming up on today's episode of AM on the FM, Dan Quinn is gone and baseball is so bad. Let's talk about it. Sports, entertainment, music, and so many types of chaos all on the same wavelength. It's AM on the FM. Indeed, big voice man, it is time. Once again, it's a Friday. You know what it means. It's time for AM on the FM. We got a lot to talk about today. Just a couple of things, but a couple of really, really big things. Um, quote of the day. Not going to lie, I did not think this far. Um, but I'm going to steal one from a good buddy of mine. His name is Ruben, and he likes to use it a lot. History doesn't repeat itself, it rhymes. I'm going to go with that. That's your quote of the day. Because I think you start to see lots of trends that aren't exactly one-to-one in life, but you see uh, some things that kind of look like other happenings, if you will. And the reason I bring that up is going to be for our second topic today when we talk about the Milwaukee Brewers and what they did on Thursday with the Baltimore Orioles and what the Orioles did on Tuesday. There's a lot to get to with that. But before we get into that, obviously, we got to stay local. We got to talk about what happened with the Dallas Cowboys. Dan Quinn. Yeah, uh, we all kind of expected it for years now, but it finally happened. Uh, Dan Quinn is going to be the Washington Commanders head coach, meaning his time in Dallas is done according to ESPN's Adam Schefter. And look, this this is not anything that is shocking, uh, especially the way the other dominoes fell for the Washington Commanders. It seemed like Ben Johnson was their guy uh, for really the whole coaching cycle. And then the whole thing with Adam Schefter saying, you know, his price tag kind of spooked some GMs, whatever. I I don't know how much I believe that. You know, him, his deal being too rich, I don't really know. But um, I think it could have been like a negotiation tactic, if anything, just to kind of say, hey, I don't really want to leave for Johnson. Uh, it could have easily just been a, you know, I'm going to put out a price that is way too high. And... You're not gonna you're not gonna match it. You're not gonna get anywhere near it because I really don't want to leave and I really don't want your job. I don't want what you have to offer. Whatever the case may be, they opted not to have uh Ben Johnson. And it I don't even know if it was as much that. It was, you know, Ben Johnson saying, Hey, you know, uh, I'm not going anywhere. I feel like it could have easily been, you know, we don't really like that asking price, yada yada yada. Uh, Mike Garofolo was insinuating in Seattle radio that, you know, Ben Johnson had a bad interview with the Seattle Seahawks, and that's why he was never in the running for that gig. And ends up going to Mike McDonald. I think that's a fantastic hire now, the youngest head coach in the NFL by a stretch. Um, yeah, Dan Quinn for the Washington Commanders. You know, I hate it because it's in division, but I don't know if I hate it for the Cowboys. I don't love it, obviously. Uh, this is a guy in Dan Quinn that has had top 10 defenses pretty much his entire tenure. I think actually his entire tenure here with the Dallas Cowboys. Um, 
you look at, you know, the past couple of years, uh, the Cowboys led the NFL with 93 forced turnovers in his time with the Cowboys, um, three seasons with the team. They ranked a combined fifth in points and seventh in yards in that three year span. Um, he, he did great with what he had, especially, you know, the fact that they were allowing him to kind of have somewhat of a pretty important say in personnel. That's why guys like Nashawn Wright were drafted so high and obviously it didn't work out. Probably how we had all insinuated because of the, you know, he, he's the big, lengthy, athletic corner that Dan Quinn loves example. Richard Sherman, you know, uh, it, that didn't work. But it, that's just the where my mind goes when I think about some of the personnel moves that were made that were probably only made because a Dan Quinn was calling your plays. And it's big for multiple reasons. One, you have a position you have to fill now. But two, the, there was a, a very strong culture under Dan Quinn with that defensive unit, you know, Micah Parsons saying last month to reporters that's his OG and he means a lot to him uh, because it's not all just about football it's about you know finding ways to love the game with each other and Dan Quinn is a team guy and for better or for worse that is what gets guys to play hard sometimes especially when you think about the uh, lack of personnel, especially in the linebacker department. They decided to go light in the linebacker this, this past year, and you saw what it did to the team. It didn't didn't work out great, but you know you can get some guys to move around and to play where the team needs it rather than maybe or the skill dictates they need to play. Uh, and you know it'll work sometimes, but it will get you exposed in important situations. It definitely didn't help in the playoff game, but. Um, you know, it, it, it felt like for me, it was always going to be the Commanders or the Seahawks. I thought it was going to be the Seahawks for Dan Quinn. I really did. Uh, they end up just playing the waiting game. And luckily for the Seahawks, the waiting game paid off quicker than they probably and we all probably imagined because we thought the Baltimore Ravens were going to go to the Super Bowl, meaning that uh, McDonald would not be able to interview in person until after the Super Bowl. It would have been all digital stuff, but they're able to get it done and they just essentially don't let him leave the building. And I know the commanders were interested in McDonald to an extent. I think pretty much every team with a head coaching vacancy was interested in McDonald because of the incredible work that he did with the Baltimore Ravens this year. Uh, obviously a loaded defense in terms of personnel, but man, they were just lethal. It looked like a defense we hadn't seen in decades, but uh, good for them. For the commanders, I think this is the best hire they could have made, all things considered, uh, with who was left on the table. Because I know they didn't want to build Belichick. They wanted a guy that was going to bring in culture, the, a guy that was going to be a leader of men uh, in a positive light, not hard-nosed, but you know, a guy that could get guys to rally around him. And Dan Quinn is exactly that. Uh, I know Harris, the new owner, was saying that he wanted a guy with heart and a guy that could lead from his heart, and that's what you're going to get with Dan Quay. He's got a lot of work to do though. You know, the commanders finished four and 13 this past year, and I don't think they've had a winning record since 2016 and they haven't won a playoff game since what? Oh, four Oh five. Sounds correct. Somewhere around there, but the commanders do have the number two overall pick in this year's draft. They can draft their quarterback of the future. Um, they could get a Drake may, they could get a Jaden Daniels, 
uh, and they have five picks inside of the top 100. So you parlay that on top of $70 million in available cap space with the ability to create at least $15 million more by releasing various players. So you could look at $85 million in cap space. They could go make some free agent signings as well, presumably on the defensive side of the ball to help out Dan Quinn play to his strengths. Uh, they got rid of some of the guys that they didn't think were going to financially make sense and fit what they were doing going forward in a uh, Chase Young, you know, but in the trade that they made with the Bears, you know, they move on from some of these big decisions that needed to be made to where now they can make their own decisions and not necessarily be handcuffed with some of these ailing contracts. Uh, I I really don't think it's that awful of a situation for Dan Quinn. That's why I kind of hate it as, you know, a Cowboys fan is he he's a great coach. He's a great dude. Um, I, I hate it. I really, really do. Um, I'm excited for Quinn, but I hope that the Cowboys whoop the commander's ass and his ass, uh, two times a year going forward. But obviously I don't think it's going to be a very quick turnaround for Dan Quinn. So, you know, most coaches get a five-year deal. We've seen a lot of six-year deals here recently. So hopefully they give him that deal and let him actually play or coach through it. Um, because it's going to take a village. It's going to take some time. And first year head coaches don't usually have great records, but especially with the commanders, the coaches in their first year have not been great historically, dating back to 71 with George Allen, 9 4 and 1, Jack Pardee in 78, 8 and 8, Joe Gibbs in 81, 8 and 8. Uh, North Turner went 3 and 12. I think uh, Richie uh, Pettibon went four and 12 Marty Schottenheimer went eight and eight Steve Spurrier of uh, seven and nine Jim Zorn was another eight and eight 500 guy Mike Shanahan in 2010 went six and ten Jay Gruden went four and 12 and then most recently Ron Rivera went seven and nine he still won the division here which is incredible to think but uh first year head coaches in this situation don't usually do great and um, you talk about Dan Quinn's previous head coaching experience. He served as the Falcons head coach from 2015 to 2020. They went to the Super Bowl after the 2016 season. Don't got to tell you what happened there. Uh, they want to combine Atlanta want to combine 10 games in two seasons before his arrival. So a nice turnaround there. And the Falcons went 29 and 19 in Quinn's first three seasons as head coach and lots of people around this league respect him. It was just the end of that tenure in Atlanta. They went 14 and 23 in his final two plus, uh, and they finished 43 and 42 overall and three and two in the postseason with Quinn. Um, it's going to take time. It's going to take time. And look, as a Cowboys fan, am I worried? No, not really. Uh, about facing Dan Quinn in the near future. I think it's just what do you do to fill that void? And we've already heard multiple names come up. I know that uh, we did see Calvin Watkins of the Morning News report that Mike Zimmer would be interested. You know, former Cowboy staffer right there, former NFL head coach. He would bring back that true 4-3 defense, which would mean, hey, you need to go find a, another real actual starting defensive tackle in this league. I don't know how you find that, 
but you you hope Jonathan Hankins comes back. You hope you re-sign him, which he's already telling the media, I've got unfinished business here in Dallas. So hopefully he comes back. Then you're going to have to find another guy that can play alongside him because you're going to be playing a lot of four down linemen with traditional one tech defensive tackles. Um, but I think that would be your best option. All things considered, Joe Witt Jr. is going to get a look at both the Cowboys defensive coordinator opening and the Washington commanders because he spent time with Quinn in Arizona, uh, Arizona, Atlanta, excuse me, get the A's mixed up. Um, he spent time with him there and he spent time obviously here with Mike McCarthy and he was a Mike McCarthy guy before he was a Dan Quinn guy. So you think that would make sense, but Hey, maybe the new opportunity, uh, and job security in Washington because McCarthy's on an expiring deal. Joe Witt Jr. Doesn't know if he's going to be around, next year for the Cowboys. So maybe he says, Hey, I just want to pack up and leave. Maybe it's Al Harris who decides to, you know, uh, put his name in the hat and he gets his name pulled. Uh, other than that, Ron Rivera is really the only other external candidate, which I would say, I, I don't care. Like <laughs> if he comes in, it, it, that's the weird way to put it. Like, because it doesn't move the needle at all. Like period. I don't think it moves in the wrong way. I don't think it moves it in the right way because guys love to play for Ron, but he's not necessarily regarded as the best, uh, you know, in-game decision maker. So that's kind of where I'm at with that. That's kind of where I'm at with Dan Quinn and uh, what the new options look like. But the, the main reason this sucks for me, Dan Quinn leaving the Dallas Cowboys, is you have tooled that, defensive roster around Dan Quinn's scheme and formatted the personnel to fit him and his needs. So that means you're probably going to have some work to do. If it's not a Joe Witt Jr., if it's not an Al Harris that takes over, if it's someone external, you've probably got some work to do in terms of player personnel. And that, my friends, uh, with the way we've been drafting defensive players recently, outside of a guy like Deron Bland and Trayvon Diggs, not great. Um, I'm not very thrilled with the idea of having to rebuild a defensive roster in one offseason. Now, the, it, it's a pretty good free agent class, and Jerry Jones was telling reporters at the Senior Bowl that he plans on going all out this offseason. I don't know if I fully believe that, but if I do believe it and I try to dissect what that looks like, I think that looks like going after defensive players and free agency to fill major voids, which would be defensive tackle, but mainly linebacker. And there's some decent linebackers out there that are ready to play for you right now and make an impact in free agency. So uh, you could get yourself a Patrick Queen if you really want to, and you could probably help push yourself over the edge if you were willing to do that. Um, the all-in thing is just very... It, it, it's great word salad. It is very delicious world word salad, if you will. Uh, and it, we get it from Jerry Jones each and every off season in some fashion, in some shape, some fashion, you're going to get that from Jerry. But, you know, it, it, it feels like here recently, it's like, yeah, this could be the year that they actually live up to the expectation of, you know, putting more effort, more assets into player personnel, and then they just don't. This year feels like one of those years where it just makes sense, you know, like go do it. Go make a move. 
go make multiple moves in free agency and then make a trade on top of that. And then maybe we'll give you the round of applause. But right now I'm killing it because it, it's all just, it's wordplay. It, it, it's, it's a tease in the industry. We like to, you know, do teases. We, we project something, we allude to something and then we pay it off later. It's what we're taught in broadcast school. You got to pay off a tease. You always have to deliver to the audience when you say you're going to do something. But in the world of pro sports, apparently you don't have to. Uh, it, it's a totally different world. And it's something that's very irritating coming from a Cowboys fan that, hey, these things never get paid off. Never get paid off. And I am sick of it. Personally, I'm sick of it for the fan base, but I think it's just a bad product. You know, overall, it, taking an even level non-homer approach to it, it's just annoying that you continue to make those promises that you cannot keep. You continue to write checks that will bounce, that you cannot cash, which is crazy to say about a multi-billionaire to which this should not matter. You need to push your chips into the middle when you're ready to win. Look at what Chris Young did with the Texas Rangers just this past season. He noticed, he talked with his people to get confirmation that this team was good enough to win if they just supplemented and filled a couple of voids. And what did they do? They went and won a damn World Series. What do the 49ers do when they see a hole on their team? They go and trade for a guy. What do the Philadelphia Eagles do when they see a void on their team? They go and trade for a guy to make it make sense to try to address. It's not always going to hit, but it's always the effort that counts. It's the thought that counts. Valentine's Day season is around here. And my everything I've always thought about Valentine's Day is it is the thought that counts. Jerry Jones, give the people a good Valentine's Day payoff of a tease for once in your damn life. It is not that hard when you have all of the power, when you have all of the assets, when you have everything that makes sense to make it work and to make it happen right now. You do your damn best to make it happen right now. Okay? Like, it's not... You, you see other teams do it. You, you could see a Los Angeles Chargers do it too now that they have their guy Jim Harbaugh running things out there as their head coach. And you, you could see the new GM get aggressive because he knows it's a talented team. And you're going to have to run into Patrick Mahomes playing the same division. You play in the same conference. They know. I wouldn't be shocked if they make a splashy trade deadline move. This team in Dallas isn't going to. They never do never makes sense and the one time that they did was for Amari Cooper and it was a guy that they gave up on they gave up on always remember that I don't like looking in the past when it comes to the Amari Cooper deal because I think it's stupid and you need to move on but in this context it's important to note that they made a great trade but then they gave up on it prematurely so there's my two cents and there's my little uh, thoughts on Dan Quinn going to the Washington Commanders to be their next head coach. Now we just see what assistance he takes with him. Chip Kelly in the running for offensive coordinator. <laughs> uh, that is going to be very, very hilarious if and when that happens. And all I got to say is good luck, Commanders fans. It's not going to be fun with good old Chip 
running things out there for y'all. Uh, you're going to want to go into witness protection mode after that because it's going to be very, very uh, bad. Um, I would like to see it happen, though, as a Cowboys fan, obviously, because, yeah, please make Chip Kelly your play caller. Why the hell not? Oh, boy. Let's talk some baseball. Let's talk some baseball because baseball is so freaking back. No, pitchers and catchers report in a couple of weeks. Um, it's not actually back. There's no games being played, but there was some shenanigans going on in the um, front office world, if you will, of baseball as various reports came out on Tuesday night that David Rubenstein, uh, a Baltimore native and billionaire who made his fortune in private equity, is expected to purchase the Baltimore Orioles from the Angelos family for $1.725 billion. The Rubenstein's group will buy 40% of the Orioles in the short term, and then the remainder once longtime owner Peter Angelos dies. Um, and that's kind of morbid. But it's a financially driven mood as if you wait until Peter dies, uh, it will reduce the capital gains tax hit for the remaining members of the Angelos family. So it kind of makes sense. The deal is not yet official. There's no timetable on when it will be official. Nevertheless, that's going to be discussed at the MLB owners meeting, which is happening next week, I do believe. Um so presuming that Rubenstein does officially buy the O's for 1.7-ish billion, it's going to mark the third richest franchise sale ever in Major League history. Only the New York Mets and the Dodgers were more lucrative with both of them topping the $2 billion mark. But um, why does this move happen now? Why does it happen at all? Um, there's... The like what 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 influences like what happens in Rubenstein's head? Like obviously he's got an Orioles fandom, but what convinced him that this was a deal that was worth making? Um they have a resolution with MASN uh where the Orioles and Nationals agreed on the team's local media rights. Um and there's good reason to believe that they're going to have lucrative media money coming in. Um, they don't have, he doesn't have to worry about that going forward. Uh, there's a wide open budget there seeing, uh, you know, it's yet to be seen how much Rubenstein actually spends on the Orioles once he takes over, but, um, he won't have to follow, uh, in the Prince, uh, of the Angelos family because, you know, the Orioles have not fielded an opening day payroll that ranked higher than 27th since the 2018 season. Um, that's not great. That's very boring. They haven't ranked as high as 10th since 2017. Um, their projected opening day payroll this year is 74 million or about as much as they spent in the 20 or 2001 season. Excuse me. There's there's just no excuse for that. So and they've already made a move to address that. I will talk about it a little bit later here in just a couple of minutes, but they've got a plethora of talent. Um, their front office is led by former Houston Astros executive, Michael Elias. He is one of the best in the business. 
Uh, so he doesn't have to worry about filling out a front office or overseeing uh, a, a very time-consuming rebuilding idea. Uh, Elias has been really good at uh, drafting and developing players. They have Adley Rushman. They have Gunnar Henderson. Uh, Jackson Holiday will join those ranks here pretty soon. And they have guys like Colton Kowser and uh, Colby Mayo, Sam, uh, Sam Basalo, also a catcher. Like, there's some very talented young guys that are going to be ready to play here pretty soon. And this is the same Orioles team that won the AL East with a 101 and 61 record last season. Uh, they're set up to be good for a really, really long time. So. That also plays into the idea of buying this team right now. And the benefits of a new lease also play in as well, because just last month, the Orioles and the city of Baltimore agreed to a new lease that is going to keep them at the Camden Yards for the foreseeable future. And part of that arrangement is the Orioles and Baltimore have until 2027 to hash out a land developments, land development rights, excuse me, uh, agreement to property around Camden Yards, including the B&O warehouse and Camden Station building, which means they could build kind of like an entertainment district around there. So it makes a lot of sense. But literally just 24 hours later, the Brewers and the Baltimore Orioles strike a deal to send Cy Young winner Corbin Burns to the Baltimore Orioles. And I just love this for so many reasons. One, the deal, honestly, is pretty good for both sides. Uh, Baltimore receives Burns, and that's it. Milwaukee receives left-hander D.L. Hall, who's surely going to slide right into their rotation immediately. And then infielder Joey Ortiz, who happens to play the same position as Willie Adamas, who is, like Corbin Burns, on an expiring deal. So Willie Adamas could be parlayed into some more uh, capital now. And they also get a 2024 competitive balance round A pick, which will be the 34th overall pick. Um, this is great. This is a great deal because what was the one glaring need for the Baltimore Orioles or one glaring weakness, I should say, going into the, playoff, the playoffs? Their rotation. The rotation was not good. And it's incredible how quick they were able to fix that. Uh, granted, the one thing people are going to point at is that Burns is on an expiring deal, but uh, the Orioles' rotation in the playoffs felt like me uh, with the Mavericks, Dwight Powell in the playoffs. It's just like you, you can't do anything with it. You just can't do anything with it against playoff teams. Uh, in, in the regular season, you can get away with it, but right now, uh, or not right now, but you know, in the postseason, you can't really get around that. You, you you have to absolutely have a strength in each department. Even if it is a small strength, you have to have one. They didn't have one. They had guys that could give you length, but not quality innings. Um, this deal just makes too much sense. And that's why I say baseball is back. Because when teams spend... Incredible things happen. And now, hopefully, you're not going to see the Baltimore Orioles just give up on talented players because they don't want to pay them. They've been so good at drafting and developing. Now, hopefully, they will actually keep their guys around. And this is just so good for the sport. This is so good for the fans. I'm very, very excited for the baseball season to start up and very excited that teams are getting active 
ahead of spring training and making deals that make sense for them and make the game better. And you know what the music means. It means it's time to go. Thank you for checking out AM on the FM wherever you get your podcast this week. We'll be back in seven days with a Super Bowl preview and the latest happenings in the world of sports and or pop culture. Uh, catch me on any and all social medias at Alec on the radio. Catch me on 105.3 The Fan as well. But tell somebody you love them today. And until next time, take care of yourselves. Be easy.